Hi, this is Ethan from Edge of NFT. Today's episode is another special bonus episode featuring our interview for the recent DeFi Summit online for which we co-produced several stellar NFT day sessions. Video for these can also be viewed on our YouTube channel. In this session, I host a panel discussion on NFTs in the art world. Panel participants include artful meme creator and talented visual effects artist, People Pleaser, mischievous and sensational outsider artist, Maddie Moe, and university academic and museum collaborator, Francis Liddell. How are DeFi communities colliding with art communities in groundbreaking and collaborative ways? How are NFTs transcending their monetary value to represent emotional connection and investment instead? What does it mean to be an insider or outsider in today's art landscape? And how does Chris Dixon of Andreessen Horowitz think NFTs affect any artist's inside or out ability to make a living? Explore the answers to these questions and more in today's session. And don't forget to head over to edgeofnft.com to subscribe to our newsletter and dive further down the rabbit hole. Also, head on over to the at Edge of NFT Twitter account to enter a giveaway sponsored by our previous guests, Residio and artist Chemical X. Enter to win one of 25 limited edition NFTs to celebrate the launch of the world's first Bitcoin NFT collection. This is number one. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Welcome to this session of the DeFi Summit focused on the role of digital art and NFTs in the cultural and creative industries. I'm Ethan Janney. I'm the co-host of the Edge of NFT podcast, and I'll be moderating this panel with three pioneers in the space of art, digital media, and NFTs, namely Maddie Moe of The Most Famous Artist and People Pleaser, as well as scholar Francis Liddell. Let's give a quick introduction for each of us, and then we'll jump right in. Maddie Moe. Maddie is a New Mexico-based artist and entrepreneur best known for creating the social token-powered global community known as the most famous artist. Together, they create large-scale headline-generating spectacles and are working on helping 10,000 artists achieve financial freedom independent of institutional gatekeepers. We also have People Pleaser, a multidisciplinary artist based in NYC. Her work as a digital artist includes visual effects credits and commercials, Blizzard games, cinematics, and feature films like Batman vs. Superman, Wonder Woman, and Star Trek Beyond. People Pleaser of uh, the Pleaser DAO arose to fund the purchase of her Uniswap NFT. And finally, we have Frances Liddell. She's a PhD student in museum studies at the University of Manchester. She's working on a project with the National Museums of Liverpool that explores how we might implement NFTs in museums to create a sense of connection and shared guardianship. Her interests include internet culture, digital heritage, open access policies, and blockchain technology. So I'd like to launch right into our conversation here with something for Maddie. And what I wanna do is touch upon 
the fact that your background is in tech entrepreneurship and marketing and you're somewhat of an outsider artist. I want to know how have you noticed that your attitudes about in relationship to NFTs differ in contrast to more traditional members of the art world? Well, Ethan, thanks for having us on the stage today. And it's a thrill to be here with you all. Um, I think the traditional art world is still trying to figure out what the heck to do with NFTs. And being that I had a bit of a background in technology, once I once I kind of got beyond the big ticket sales of digital art and the confusion of what NFTs are and looked under the hood, I realized that the technology is quite powerful and quite liberating. And so I guess um, I'm relatively optimistic that the artists using NFTs now are going to greatly uh, greatly grow their careers. And those that will come on board a little bit later will realize that NFTs are the future and um, they can have a big impact on the traditional art world. And when you say it's kind of liberating for artists, you know, what have you seen? Are there any specific instances? I know you've your your collective has generated a few interesting projects around this. Anything you find particularly liberating? Yeah. So in some cases, artists don't have access to markets. Um, for example, there's artists in our collectives, our collective from Peru or uh, Iran, and they wouldn't necessarily be able to sell to a global network of collectors, particularly because digital files traditionally couldn't be sold and shipping internationally is quite difficult. So NFTs have provided them an income stream for their work and allowed them to become a little bit more um, more confident that their practice matters and, and to gain resources that allowed them to continue their practice. Yeah, that's very interesting. Um, I also remembered in preparation for this session, we were wanting to have some fun and you referred me to the, uh, what was it, the WikiHow article on having fun. I actually didn't get a take uh, look at that, but hopefully you did, and we'll try to uh, bring some fun into this session where possible. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, next, I'd like to I'd like I'd like to move things over to People Pleaser. You've been up to some really impressive stuff. I really appreciate your art and um, your sophistication within the space. I'd like to get your perspective on how digital art and NFTs have been integrated with the new financial system growing out of blockchain technology um, historically. Financial and art worlds might not have been as closely linked in terms of interests and interactivity. Um, would you agree with me that that is a new trend? And if, if so, is it here to stay? What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, first, thanks for having me on. And um, I, I think definitely uh, they have a sort of closer relationship now than they did before, especially with... Um, you know, myself being sort of more embedded in the DeFi community. Uh, I think a lot of people are now starting to realize that you can use NFTs as financial assets, um, which wasn't sort of like a, a concept that was circulating in just the traditional art world, I don't think. And so I think that's, you know, I mean, it's not just, you know, I think a lot of people, when we say NFTs, they're just thinking about, oh, selling just a, 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 an artwork or something. But, you know, I'm talking about even things in the metaverse or like Axie Infinity, for example. Um, these are uh, actually um, an NFT surrounded projects that are even helping people, for example, in the Philippines um, generate income. And so 
this is something that hasn't happened uh, previously. And I think uh, definitely uh, is sort of pushing us in, towards like a new model where people can sort of generate income. And then also uh, because needing to understand crypto, there is a little bit higher of a barrier to entry right now. And so uh, people wanting to sell NFTs, mint NFTs um, need to understand crypto anyway, you know, how to use MetaMask and wallet, um, things like this. And then so because of the world, they're so closely colliding uh, this sometimes brings them to understand DeFi and um, other technologies in crypto as well. And so um, I think that kind of sort of movement in general is uh, really uh, empowering artists and then helping them uh, take more control into their own finances, uh, which wasn't previously as uh, sort of easy as a process. And yeah, I think it's great. Cool. Yeah. You mentioned being like kind of feeling, I think you said like integrated into the DeFi community. And then from what you said, it, it almost seemed like a, I don't know, it's like a chain reaction of sorts that happens with folks that get into one thing and then it requires this and then they have to research that. And so they sort of get integrated. Is that your story or is it more you had friends in the space? You already had a personal interest in these things? Uh, I think definitely. I was already sort of interested in cryptocurrency since uh, 2017, or not just interested, but I was um, holding and uh, purchasing crypto uh, since 2017. But um, obviously with when DeFi summer exploded, uh, I think specifically the community surrounding DeFi are very, very internet centric um, and crypto Twitter in general and uh, their sense of humor and uh, just really aligns with my own and so, uh, I just really resonated with the entire vibe of the community. And then so um, I started basically making these animations that, you know, I think also the meme culture I really resonated with as well. And then I noticed that, you know, a lot of large part of the marketing and sort of just passing on information is done through memes in the space, which I personally think is really awesome. And then so I saw this opportunity to sort of bring those memes to the next level by uh, inserting my combining my previous skill set with digital art and creating sort of like these higher quality uh, meme like videos that can help, uh, you know, that carry a sense of virality and also help spread information even faster. And then so I started collaborating with a bunch of these DeFi protocols. But obviously, to make uh, content around this information, you need to understand it first. So that's where I started doing a lot of research around the different DeFi protocols and how they work. And uh, also gives me a better understanding of uh, finan financial models as well, because a lot of them actually migrate from traditional or not migrate, but are um, sort of innovated from traditional finance models. And then I wasn't really very knowledgeable in traditional finance before, but now I'm a little bit more because of DeFi and also that it helps me learn about investing as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I really appreciate this movement as someone um you know, who's been a musician and, and in the art world since, you know, 2000s. And, and you know, my, friend, my friends weren't actually, that were musicians, I was in a band, for, for example, none of them were really interested in finance at all. <laughs> but for some reason, I had a little bit of an interest in, you know, finance and business and things like that. And I felt like a bit of an outsider. So I'm really appreciating this movement where, you know, arts are being integrated with finance. And there's some, like you said, some fun, um, some humor, uh, included there and and like you said maddie a really a real opportunity for the artists to achieve the independence and freedom that that they've often hoped for in the past um francis i'd like to to go over to you i know you're working closely with museums 
uh, to invent the ways that NFT technology will integrate with the institutions that have supported uh, art consumption um, traditionally. Um, how has this been evolving? Do you have any experiences you can share, movements you've seen, obstacles you've encountered with the things you're working on? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's safe to say that 2021 has been the year that museums are starting to finally take note of NFTs. Um, and I think perhaps the pandemic was a big kickstart of it because a lot of museums are kind of looking at it from a fundraising aspect and thinking about, okay, can we use NFTs to create extensions of the digital collection and start selling them and start kind of start a new digital income whilst, for example, everyone can't come to the physical space. And I think there is a lot of value in that. Um, but my research is really interested in kind of looking at it from a kind of more community engagement prospect. So how can we use NFTs uh, beyond the monetary context and use them to kind of create emotional connections between a person and a digital collection? Um, and yeah, so to give you some context, my research um, started back in 2018, kind of the end of the last blockchain hype, so to speak. Um, and yeah, we were kind of interested in looking at, okay, can we use these things to kind of diversify narratives in museums and thinking about kind of using the digital object as kind of a kind of new form of value, so to speak. So we basically got a group of participants together to choose an object from the museum that they loved and had an emotional connection to. And we essentially made them into NFTs for them. Um, and each NFT has their kind of personal story embedded into the metadata. Um, and we call it kind of a personal edition. And it's sort of the idea of like, can this then forge new connections between these people and the museum? Um, and can we use this in kind of spaces where museums are already working with communities and objects have lots of different stories attached to it rather than just the kind of one singular narrative often just told in collections? Um, so yeah, I think although fundraising is a really important aspect, I think my research is really ultimately about looking at, okay, well, I think there's much more to the museum NFT than simply money. Um, and, you know, museums have always been part of kind of, you know, it's so much more than art. We add interpretation, we add social cohesion, we add education. So let's kind of start adding those different forms of value into the NFT space as well. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it, the central, it seems like the central piece around NFTs is just ownership in general, right? And like you said, attaching a monetary value to the ownership is one thing that we do, but especially in the art and creative worlds, um, there's maybe always been a push to not attach monetary value to things, to kind of look beyond monetary value. So I can really appreciate that perspective of saying you could even use an NFT to just attach a person, attach their soul, their, you know, their, their self-interest, their personal connection to uh, an art object or, or something that they care about. So that's very interesting. Now, just, just in the details of what you're talking about. So somebody picks an object from the museum that's special to them. That's a physical object, right? Yeah, so this is actually a workshop that took place way back pre-pandemic, um, like January, 2020, I think. And yeah, we basically invited people to look at the collection and choose an object based on their kind of personal relationship to it. Um, and we basically built kind of an online exhibition that we call Crypto Connections, uh, which you can see on the National Museums Liverpool website. Um, and yeah, if you go on there, you'll see that basically there's the object they chose with this kind of personal summary written by the participant about basically why they chose it and what's their kind of personal connection. 
Um, and kind of the kind of technical side of it was really so we could then have this in online information that we could then turn into NFTs, um, which we did so kind of with a kind of, we created a decentralized gallery um, and yeah, used a kind of built a smart contract connection Ethereum blockchain. Um, and yeah, so we called that the possession gallery as well. So these tokens kind of represent they're kind of literally kind of extensions of the collection that are not owned by the museum. So yeah, it's about kind of bringing that sense of shared authority as well. Right. And and the individuals, again, these are individuals that are more consumers of the art, right? Or participants in the art than the makers. But then I guess they've sort of become a little bit of a maker by choosing these things. And then the objects that now have the blockchain ownership attached to them are they are do they are they have they been assigned a monetary value? Are they tradable, or is that just is it just that they're owned by the people who created them? How does that work? Just curious. Yeah, well, they could technically sell them if they wanted to. They could go onto OpenSea and put them onto the sale. Um, my argument would be that they wouldn't because of the personal relationship to it. Um, but yeah, there's nothing to stop them. And also, that's kind of the thing I really wanted to challenge the museum about is thinking. Well, we talk about shared authority and you know the sense of kind of connection and letting people you know have some sense of ownership over collections well this can literally take that whole idea to a whole new level of blockchain because they literally own something that they could sell and the museum has literally no control over that um mm -hmm. yeah hopefully they won't <laughs> yeah I mean, I think I would love I'd love to move it, you know, we're welcome at this point to to kind of open it up a little bit. So if anybody has any thoughts based on what everyone else said, feel free to jump in here. One one thing that I'm thinking of that's bringing to mind here is we've, we've kind of talked about uh, the value side of things on both ends. You know, there's a monetary value and then there's sort of the non-monetary value of the connections that are made and the ownership that's created. Um, and then there's this traditional narrative within the art world of the starving artist you know there's the book uh, that many people may be familiar with the gift which talks all about how you know artists kind of feel like they've been gifted their talents and experiences and they all feel very just sort of intuitively resistant towards accepting money and compensation for them um but then at the same time we have people in this group who have you know found ways to monetize their art and you know not be afraid to do that and and, um, you know, again, it, it can become a matter of, of survival. It's really important for artists to consider, you know, how they're going to continue to be able to make their art. Um, Maddie, like, I, I noticed there's a theme in what you do of sort of trying to assist with that, right? Trying to assist the art artists in the art world with that. What have been your experiences? Have you encountered those that are, are resistant still, even though you're trying to help them to sort of monetizing things? And kind of what have you found? Have you found any secrets to kind of like moving past those barriers and using blockchain and MFT as a as a means to to move forward? Sure. The the projects that me and the community that I'm stewarding have had the most success with have been these kind of like large scale collaborative drops where we can showcase a broad range of talent and use best in class kind of mechanics for the drops uh, and align with the like fast moving zeitgeist of the internet, but appeal to the crypto cat classes, aesthetic and cultural sensibilities. Um, and in doing so, we can actually help everyone make a little bit more money. Um, we can help everyone sell through their work by coming together and creating a cohesive body of work, 
uh, we as a community of artists stand stronger than us individually distributing our work. And there's also this like built in virality and distribution and working in large pods of artists for these types of collaborations. And because we don't have to physically ship works to create these group shows, they become way more accessible to a larger pool of talent. And so I've seen a lot of success with that. And we've now done a drop that's a portrait of people. We've done a drop that's a portrait of Elon. We've done a drop that's a portrait of Grimes, where artists in our community remix these to create almost a collection or a series of collectibles. And I see more and more of that happening. Um, I think we're in like the first pitch of the first inning of NFTs though. There's so much exciting stuff happening with like Oracle data making NFTs more dynamic and the capacity through which NFTs can be used for fundraising or humanitarian efforts. Um, those are the things I'm most excited about moving forward. Um, but I think I think people pleaser kind of nailed it. It's like we as the like the leaders of of NFT art do have to keep in mind that our customers are the crypto class and they have particular cultural and aesthetic sensibilities. Um, and that's going to largely define uh, what kind of work gets produced and has success in this market. That's interesting. Yeah, on our podcast, we had the artist Vesa, who is relatively successful and you know established within the NFT space for whatever that means, you know, within the relatively few short years uh, that it's been around. But he he actually highlighted something maybe slightly different. That yes, like this moment right now is can be very focused on who are the class that are interested at this moment in time. And they tend to be, you know, technologically ed educated and, you know, care about what's in their world of, you know, finance and decentralized finance and so forth. Now you was kind of saying, predicting that the interesting projects that are going to stick around in long term are going to be more well-established in the historical tradition of art, you know? And so he has like a, an obsession with Egyptian ancient Egyptian art, right? And and he's kind of thinking about the art historical progression of things. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, people pleaser, I would say you're kind of, I, you probably have spent some time in the traditional art world within your training, just maybe even as someone, as a person growing up and becoming an artist and wanting to just draw and work on physical objects. You know, do you have any perspectives on that? I think it's silly to gatekeep between traditional and the new uh, technological world. I mean, we're all humans at the end of the day and art is subjective. And uh, when I say that, it's not necessarily, I mean, you can see my Uniswap piece. There's obviously a lot of uh, explanations behind it on why it's linked to crypto or, you know, the specific um, like Uniswap um, V3 mechanics and stuff. Or and but I also you know reference like uh, Miyazaki, um, um, Princess Mononoke films, and you know like just traditional anime and just whatever influences my personal art style. And also uh, I did take influence from medieval tapestries as well. So I think it's really silly to say one would succeed more than the other. Um, the most important thing is just rallying a community that are loyal to you. Um, Chris Dixon from Andreessen Horowitz wrote a really, really good article called NFTs and a Thousand True Fans. And basically, um, I think that what it's saying is just that you just, you don't need to have, you know, a million fans. Um, and you can see this today too, with people who are 
successful in the traditional art sense or whatever that means. And they could have, you know, 2 million fans on Instagram, but that doesn't translate one-to-one over, you know, you can see them drop an NFT. It's probably not going to do that well. And the reason being that their fan base are maybe not people at this moment who use crypto um, and are interested in NFTs. So it's all about just finding a community that works for you and um, the one that I personally resonate with is in decentralized finance, but that's just part of who I was growing up as well, you know, and it's not anything to do with decentralized finance. Um, it's just this community of people who share this internet culture and our love for memes and, you know, like sense of humor, things like this. And so, yeah, I think, I think it's really silly to sort of um, say like one is better than the other. I think everyone has their own sort of community and people that they resonate with and at the end of the day um even from like you know egyptian art that's what it's about too it's, it resonates with people who like egyptian art you know so mm-hmm. just find your own people and you'll be fine yeah that's interesting yeah i definitely appreciate that perspective i mean especially from the creator it's it's i think it's very tempting for creators to try to become and i'm i'm like I'm, I'm noticing before I even say this, like because of, of your name and I, I, don't, I don't even know uh, what uh, <laughs> what the history of that, unfortunately, but like please everyone, right? Like an artist might want to please the masses and that's where they direct their things. And it's pretty clear, you know, on that long, along those lines of the Kevin Kelly, a thousand true fans aesthetic and, and philosophy, you know, that's not the way, right? The way is to find who you connect with. Um, at the same time, that makes me think of, this sort of cautionary tale around social media and people becoming siloed into their communities and like not understanding each other and not being willing to communicate. So, um, I mean, I think the way you present it, it doesn't make, it doesn't feel dangerous, just feels exciting and it feels, you know, um, enriching and it feels celebratory towards like people's individual cultures. Um, but that is something I, I wonder about. Francis, what have, uh, having worked in museums, which tend to be probably try to be something that's more attracting a mass appeal, um, do you have an opinion on, on this uh, or directions that you particularly are participating in? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this. I mean, the question of audience has been something that I've um, talked to a few museums about who are kind of looking at entering into the NFT space because there is no real kind of cross-section between the crypto world and the typical museum goers. I mean, there will be, but there's generally speaking, they're quite different kind of communities. And if museums are kind of thinking about, okay, let's sell some works as NFTs, it's like, well, okay, well, who, who are you selling it to? Are you trying to gain that kind of traditional audience and try and move them into the blockchain kind of sphere? Or are you going into the crypto world? And if so, are you ready for that space, because I don't think a lot of institutions are. Um, you know, they're very controlling, they're very risk averse, they're probably not ready for something that's incredibly decentralized and unknown. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, it's then, then how do you kind of move this kind of audience who might be quite, you know, scared of blockchain? That was kind of a number of times my, some of my partners said, like, I don't know what blockchain is. I'm scared of it. I don't want to use it. And you're like, okay, <laughs> you don't have to. And it's, and it's kind of finding that kind of interlink, which is why I kind of go back to that question of like personal connection. It's finding, I mean, like, as people previously said, it's like finding that kind of 
niche market and finding that group of people that kind of relate so closely to the art that it doesn't really matter about the technology at the end of the day um, and it's just more about kind of the meaning behind it um, but yeah I think audience is a, it's an interesting one it's an interesting question yeah, yeah. also like you know you know Maddie most specifically kind of think of yourself as an outsider artist. Um, and then that, that's like outside of what, right? <laughs> you, you know, you're an insider artist to the type of community that you want to relate to and, and build with, like people pleaser outlined. Um, and so I'm curious, people pleaser, do you ever consider yourself either an outsider or insider artist in any particular communities? Um, you know, el elucidating a little bit more on what you already said. I think um, similarly to the traditional art world, I really sort of don't like to be continuing to use these terms because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it's akin to saying... That's why like, I asked you just insider, outsider. <laughs> I, I think it's akin to saying like, oh, you know, only Mozart is successful and then uh, modern music is not. Or or even just saying music will, or music that has moved on to Spotify or, you know, new streaming, let's say when Spotify first came out, this is the same thing, right? People using like a CD player to listen to music versus like listening to it on Spotify and saying, oh, uh, people who listen to Spotify music are different from people. I think it's just, you know, we're just going through a transition phase right now and has purely to do with technology and not the art itself. And at the end of the day, art is subjective, just like music and all other forms of art. Um, but at, in to answer your question, I do think that uh, originally, um, similar to the traditional art world, there one sort of these uh, curated NFT platforms first came out, like Super Rare, Nifty Gateway. There was a lot of gatekeeping going on. Oh, <laughs> we're getting a thumbs down from from Adam. Kind of very, very <laughs> about the gatekeeping to, or yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, got it. I just um, wanted yeah, to make sure we knew what that was about. <laughs> it's very, very similar to the traditional art world, where you know it's not necessarily based on how much talent or technical skill you have, and um, I'm pretty sure mainly they were just looking at how many Instagram followers you had. And um, I mean, you know, which is, which is fine because at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you're trying to curate something, you need some metric to show. And, you know, if somebody had previously spent a lot of time building up a community, let's say on Instagram for digital art, it does show some merit to either a lot of people liking their work or, I mean, marketing yourself is a skill on its own, right? And so in that sense, uh, definitely I consider myself an outsider because I, uh, my socials are quite new. Um, I didn't like create my, neither my Instagram or uh, Twitter profiles. I'm, uh, they're only like a year old uh, less and my Twitter is like less than a year old basically. And so, I mean, I started with zero followers. Um, and then so obviously when I was trying to get into these platforms, um, they were like who is this or nobody and I don't think they like wanted to let me sell anything um uh, but then you know I found a way to sort of rally my own community and then I made one really big sale and then now everybody's like come sell your art here um, <laughs> so I think it's really just sort of we're moving towards a new um paradigm right now and I I mean what I love about crypto or the crypto community is that um you know for example there's a lot of anonymous uh uh, people on there and they really just sort of reward people who put out good work and it's less about you know who you are what you look like who you're connected to um, you know and this applies to not just artists but also copywriters and um, developers builders uh, creators in general and you can really see that it's sort of like a reset where 
as long as you're doing good stuff, I think the community won't hesitate to sort of reward you and prop you up. Um, and it's, um, and I really appreciate that. And obviously I saw that happen with myself as well. So whether you're an insider or outsider, I think as long as you're doing good work and within this space, uh, people will notice. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I, I reflect upon this often. I think, uh, you know, there's a reason that those like movies about being like a high school kid that's misunderstood are relatively popular and they keep remaking them because in a sense, we all don't feel like we have a tribe at some point in life. It's usually at some point within the high school and our development years. And then it's not that we're an outsider. We just feel like it until we find that tribe, you know, and I think, uh, at least that's part of, you know, I, I, I did a music project. It was called daily wiki music. And it was a, it was a daily Wikipedia song that I wrote and published every day back in like 2009 based on the Wikipedia article of the day. <laughs> and I don't know whether there will be a tribe around that particular project, but I have to say I crave it. <laughs> so, but, but there are probably people out there that um, for, for each of us as artists that, uh, that will find and, um, and can resonate with what we do. And it's just a matter of patience and, you know, and actually taking the time to look. So we are at about, you know, five minutes out for the end of this session. So I want to make sure we wrap it up on time. Um, I guess what, I, what I'd really like to do is make sure we have an opportunity for each of you, you know, to, to kind of give the viewers something to take away to look for with what you're doing that you think might be interesting or valuable to them. Um, so let's make sure we take some time for them. I'll start with Maddie Mo. So for people who are watching, if they want to find out more about what you're doing, what do you think is the best path and, and what would you like them to take away from the session? Well, um, I'm currently working on a course with a platform called Maven on how to crush it with NFTs. And it's going to be 100% zero risk to anyone who's interested in taking the course. So you take the course and we're gonna do a community drop and ideally that drop will cover your tuition costs. And if it doesn't, I will refund you. So I'm so confident in the power of NFTs and I do believe that NFTs are for everybody. And I do believe in the power of community. So um, take a look at my website, The Most Famous Artist, and join that, uh, that conversation and that course if you're interested in figuring out how to crush it with NFTs. That's my, uh, that's my shill. <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's move over to People Pleaser. What should people do to find out more about you? What would you like them to take away from the session today? Um, I think just... Uh sort of not neglecting technical skill, um, being a good person. And um, and also I think um, when you start making uh, money from NFTs, if it's, um, you know, if you have any extra, don't forget to give to a good cause. <laughs> That's um, my shell. And then also that, um, check out Pleaser DAO. Uh, it is um, sort of a DAO that was formed uh, specifically. And I think uh, obviously DAOs are like a hot topic right now. So people, you know, want to sort of like get involved, you can look into how to like make your own DAO. I mean, I didn't make people pleaser DAO, but I am an honorary member now and they're building really cool stuff. And then uh, they're always looking to sort of uh, flip and onboard new artists as well. And so, um, and they're also, you know, looking into like fractionalization of NFTs and also uh, combining DeFi with NFTs as well, you know, with like concepts like staking art and then you can get interest or farm tokens with that. Uh, really interesting and cool stuff. Um, so feel free to check out 
what Pleaser DAO is doing. Awesome. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Francis, what about you? Uh, where, where can people go to find out more about what you're doing and, and what would you like them to take away from the session? Yeah, so I, I mean, I write a lot about kind of the kind of intersection between NFTs and museums. Um, post a lot of that on my, my LinkedIn and Twitter so you can find, find more about kind of the research I've been doing there. Um, but the thing I'd really want people to take away with is to kind of think more about kind of the meaning behind NFTs and not simply just to mint things for the sake of minting it, but think about the process that you're doing. Um, and particularly for kind of museums and institutions, it's kind of, there's so much more value that we can attribute to an NFT. Um, so yeah, I think that's the thing. So go, go ahead and go start experimenting and start thinking about kind of how you can embed it into your own practices. Great. Appreciate that. Yeah. Wonderful diversity of perspectives here. Great conversation. Um, thanks for bringing up, uh, you know, objections and, and conflicts where appropriate to and make for a rousing discussion. Appreciate that from everyone here. Um, so I, I guess uh, with that, um, we'll wrap it up and just make sure that people go and enjoy the rest of the conference. There's a lot of great stuff going on. Again, uh, I'm Ethan Janney of the Edge of NFT podcast, and you've been spending this half hour with uh, Maddie Moe, People Pleaser, and Francis Liddell. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the Edge of NFTs for today. Thank you for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventurers on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool new strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something great. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Also, head on over to the at Edge of NFT Twitter account to enter a giveaway sponsored by our previous guests, Residio and artist Chemical X. Enter to win one of 25 limited edition NFTs to celebrate the launch of the world's first Bitcoin NFT collection. This is number one.